Hey kids, it's time for Surf Shorts! Welcome to the Surf Shorts Podcast, an innovator in modern storytelling, looking towards the future, using business terms like radical, off the lip, caught inside and totally tubular. Surf Shorts, the storytelling podcast, recorded on VHS then downloaded to cassette for maximum audio quality. Do you have Surf Shorts? If so, please don't call your doctor. You are about to have too much fun. The Surf Shorts Podcast welcomes you to the modern age. Stick around for some sick stories. So sit back, crank up the volume, and enjoy the ride. It's totally radical. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Surf Shorts. I'm Matt again, and I'm sitting here today with Jack. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to tell some stories. Yeah, you know, we we were talking the other day. We and I hadn't seen you in probably six months or something like that. And uh, I mentioned that I was collecting some stories for surf shorts. And, dude, you told me an amazing story. So uh, I'd like to share it with everybody here today and uh, just let her rip. Okay. Well, first of all, Matt, thanks for letting me tell the stories. I mean, I'd, I love telling surf stories. I think any any surfer really does like to tell their stories. And um but, um, yeah, I grew up surfing in Half Moon Bay in the San Francisco Bay Area where the waves were big and cold and the weather was really windy and foggy and kind of miserable. And um, Well, yeah, let me ask you, like, when you were cutting your teeth, right, you know, when yeah. you're learning to surf in a place that can get that big, you know, yeah. any of those north, northern oh, yeah. California beaches, like Ocean Beach, any, anything up there can do it. Yeah, well, it's... It, Typically, kids don't learn to surf at a young age like they do here on the East Coast. Because the water's cold, yeah. Because cold water and huge waves, and so it's really intimidating. Well, I drove up through, I drove up past Half Moon Bay, and, and my Northern California geography isn't fantastic. Uh, my sister lives in San Francisco. Uh-huh. But I drove through there, and, and uh, this is years ago, and I, I went to a little town called Pacifica. Mm-hmm. And it had like a little bay there and a nice friendly beach. And, and I looked at this. And I thought, this looks like this looks like a place. I remember thinking at the time that people would learn to surf. Yeah. Lindemar Beach, Taco Bell Beach, they also call it. It's it Taco funny. Bell right on the side. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. And um, it is probably the only spot. And then there's one in El Granada, which is slightly north of Half Moon Bay. El Granada is where I lived, mm-hmm. it's a town of like 5,000 people. And it's right where Mavericks is. And on the inside of Mavericks, there's a harbor and a little break wall where there's a, another little wave. So it was a user-friendly wave. Yeah. It could be huge at Mavericks. And on the inside, you could have like head-high little little waves. So there are spots, but just typically with the wind and the cold and the just, you know, just yeah. the harshness of it. Like I have two kids that surf a lot. I have three kids, right. but two kids, two of them surf a lot. And they would not have become surfers if they grew up there. Yeah. Northern California is not your typical Beach Boys song. No, you know? not at all. And, and my daughter being a longboarder, cruisy, mellow longboarder, loves the East Coast waves. And um, she's in San Diego now, and that's kind of got some nice longboard spots oh, yeah. for her. But for sure. Northern California was just not, I didn't even have a longboard there you just didn't ride longboards yeah, well you you had longer boards had power <laughs> yeah you had longer boards but they were built for big waves yeah so um anyways but it was a it was a it's a cool place to grow up and it's a cool place to um, surf because it is remote and it's it's um 
rough and you know you, you, you feel like you're just out in the elements so. yeah it's the you're you're in nature yeah yeah full on i like that yeah and um you do you pay a lot of dues there and you have you know moments where you're like why am i even doing this you know <laughs> i bet i absolutely bet. i remember in, in winter time sometimes especially as i was getting older and, and liking bigger waves less and less just praying for waves to be head high you know do, gosh could it just be yeah. head high or less you know in the winter time it just didn't get below that you know it just was always big and yeah so, if you were surfing it was just like always yeah and you knew your friends were gonna you know i think everybody was in the same boat really didn't want to go surf the huge waves but nobody was wanted to be the one to admit that they didn't want to go so everybody was kind of putting or felt that there was pressure to go out so you'd always go out and you're just you know, it's funny that you say that. I mean, we have that here on the East Coast when there's a hurricane, yeah. right? You, you may be looking at the beach and oh, and your buddy's like, let's do it. Yeah. But uh, I was reading, and I'm embarrassed, uh, in the comments after this episode, I'll come up with the name of the mm -hmm. book because I'll be able to Google it. But I read uh, last year or two years ago an autobiography by a guy who traveled the world surfing and he discovered like some of the first Pacific Island spots. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I've read that book and yeah. then titles escaping me too, but yeah. And it was a fantastic book. And he talks a lot about Northern California and the same exact thing that you're saying. Yeah. He, I remember reading the ocean beach yeah. uh, part of the book and just getting chills because it was describing exactly what I experienced. Yeah. And it's very well written and people listening to the show stick around at the end of this and I'll throw the name of that book in there. And when you told me your story, I was thinking about this guy. Yeah. Cause when I read that, I was thinking about the stories that I had out there and um, for sure ocean beach is gotta be one of the gnarliest beach breaks that exists on the planet. I mean, it can hold like, 20 foot beach break waves, you know, you, you, you're like half a mile out to sea to catch the, the furthest peaks out. Yeah. And you got to take a channel in one direction to get to the, you know, the first break and then a different channel in a different direction to get to the mid break and yeah. then the final channel. And I can't tell you how many times I was on that final stretch to get on the outside. And then here comes a 20 wave set on the horizon and you're before it even gets there, you know, you, you can't make it out far enough. Yeah. Should I turn and try to make it back, you know, so that it breaks, you know, first sure, and washes yeah. me in. And then, you know, 15 feet of whitewash doesn't just push you into the shore. It, it freaking pile drives you and, yeah. you know, it rolls, rolls you, you yeah, yeah. all the way in. And so I just had so many of those panic moments of, Oh my God, do I go in? Do I go out? What? And inevitably, if you try to make it to the horizon, you just don't make it. Or you might make it over one or two, and then sure. the third one just takes you out. Yeah. And then you take 10 more on the head, and that's your surf session. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. surf session right there. And, and these, these types of uh, large swells and rolling white water and being very, very far out, that's what leads us into your story. Yes. You have today. Yeah. And I was thinking about after telling you yesterday, I was thinking about it and how I wanted to tell it. And I literally would start sweating because I, I <laughs> yeah. thought I was going to die. I can't, you know, it would have easily been the end of me. You know, it could have easily. And um, what's funny is it's a different it was it's different than getting pounded by waves because that happens so fast and you just don't have time to really contemplate yeah. your death. But in this well, story, 
the way it played out, you know, and being sitting out and knowing that it's over, but I'm not going to just get pounded by waves. I'm just going to die out at sea, you know, over a long period yeah. of time. I, that was it. Sitting here talking about it is just makes me wilt for sure. Well, all right. Well, let's start. Let's start from the beginning for him. Okay. Well, um, Ocean Beach. We t- talked about that. Was one of my favorite places to surf. Although it wasn't good that often. It was always big, always rough. But these magical days would happen where it would be foggy, like kind of a light fog and really glassy and these long period swells with no wind swell in between. So you'd get four or five, you know, set waves would roll in perfectly Mm -hmm. clean, good ones. And then a nice long lull of five minutes and then another set. So it was easy to paddle out, easy takeoffs because it did have like a rolly takeoff and then it would just grind. Yeah. And so me and a few buddies paddled out and it was that gray, glassy, still day. And we were out there and we were just catching these beautiful big waves. And, um, I remember asking a guy out there like, man, how big do you think these set waves are? And he was like, oh, these are 15 foot on the face. You know, I, I, I kind of was estimating double overhead, big waves, but it was really easy surfing for big waves and it's rare ocean beach was like it was a magical um but there's this type of fog and i don't even know if there's a name for it i feel like there's a name for it i think there is too and i'll tell everybody i'll put it in the show notes or at the end of the show when i tell you the name of this book i'll also tell you the name of this fog okay well there was a type of fog that would just appear out of nowhere really thick and really hug the ground most fog would be you know, a little off the ground or a little yeah. off the water. Um, so you could still have some visibility, but there was a type of fog that would just appear out of nowhere, really thick, where it would just take away pretty much all visibility. Maybe you could see five, 10 foot. Yeah. And, and this fog, you know, this is where the movie, there was a horror movie called The Fog based in Northern California. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it, this is what it's named after. Yeah. It's scary. It is scary. And, and I will say, I'm going to, I'll say, uh, I've only been in fog like that once in my life. I'm sure you've had it more being in Northern California, but I was driving off a mountain in the North Carolina mountains on a little two lane twisty road, highway 16. And this fog rolled in. I'd never seen anything like it. And I was uh, driving a, a pickup towing a trailer coming down a mountain. And I, I had to stop. Mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure if I was going to drive off a cliff. It was one of those roads where you just have a guardrail or mm-hmm. and then there's infinity beyond that. Yeah. And I stopped in the road and I was like, well, I'm afraid to stop because somebody's going to hit me. Yep. And I drove for at least a mile or two with my door open and I mm-hmm. didn't look forward. I just, I had the door of my car open. I just looked Look down the and lines. I, I kept the yellow line yeah. uh, in my eye. So, this is the type of fog we're talking about. Someone yeah. can be five feet from you and you can't see you them. You can't see them. So it, that fog, we, so it was a big day. We we're way out. Um, thankfully, it was a clean, glassy day, but um, this fog rolled in on us. And the, the little pack of guys I was surfing with, we couldn't even see each other. We could hear each other, but we couldn't see each other. And so we were trying to stay in contact. Um, yeah with each other. And then we couldn't even, we got so disoriented. We couldn't even tell where the waves were, where the beach were. We couldn't see the typically on a foggy evening in ocean beach, you just keep your eye on the lights 
of the cars because even if it's daytime, the cars have their lights on. So yeah. in the parking lot, you can see the lights. It's got the elevated parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. That. And so um, we got in at, it was Lincoln Avenue or Fulton Avenue, which is on the north end of Ocean Beach. Ocean Beach stretches like three, four, five miles. Okay. And, um, but it's elevated lot and you can see the lights of the cars and that's typically how you oriented yourself when you were surfing. And, um, when this fog rolled in, you could not see the lights. You couldn't see each other. We couldn't, all we could do is try to communicate and we'd keep talking just to try to stay close. Um, and and you don't know when a set is coming. We don't know when a set's coming. We don't even know what, at some point we're so disoriented that we don't even know what direction. In fact, one of the first set waves that came in so hit came in sideways to me because I was so disoriented. I was facing 180 degrees in the or 90 degrees in the wrong direction. Right. And thankfully, it was a smooth wave, and I may, I went over it. But um, with with no warning, with that with no sight visibility, you you don't see the wave coming, and you get so disoriented, you're facing the wrong direction. That's- the wave can roll you. Um, that, sound, that sounds terrifying. So I was, at first, it was a little, we're, you know, kind of laughing, whoa, this is pretty, you know, gnarly. But, you know, after about five, 10 minutes, we're like, this is not good. Because if it was a small day and you were closer to shore, you could maybe, you know, touch bottom, you could kind of. Or paddle, or just sort of paddle to the beach and take mm-hmm. your licks. Yeah. And, but being so far out, you just really could not tell what was going on. And so. After about five, 10 minutes, I started getting really terrified. As you should have been. And um, we were trying to stay in contact. I was uh, myself just trying to figure out which direction the waves were coming from. And because it was so big, you really couldn't just start paddling for shore. Um, And again, you could be paddling out farther. And in that case, you wouldn't even know that, you know, when you're so far beyond the waves, you might not even notice other than the swells rolling in, which way to go. Yeah, and so you, I would say to a listener, I mean, an adult can probably imagine what we're talking about, but if a younger listener listened to us, I would say imagine surfing with your eyes closed mm-hmm. or imagine surfing on a night that's so dark you can't see the waves at yeah. all. It's total, total disorientation. Yeah, so the worst part of it was we had gone out at dusk, and so now it's getting dark on top of that. Oh, Lord. And so the only way to see anything would have been a car light and we couldn't see him. And at some point I was separated from the guys that I was surfing with and I was all alone and I, I could have been five feet from him, but you know, we stopped communicating. We all, I think talking to my friends, they all assumed, we all assumed we were just on our own and good yeah, luck. Yeah. Now it was this pretty big Northwest swell and so the drift was going south from the north to the south. And at nor- south of Ocean Beach are just rocky cliff areas that if you, if you drift too far south, there's no getting in. You're there for the night. You're going to be sitting there overnight, but it's freezing cold. Yeah. Probably wouldn't survive a whole night. Maybe you would. If you didn't get smashed on the rocks, you might, you know, hypothermia is so bad that you just, that's it. Yeah, some a lot of East Coast people haven't surfed in front of cliffs. Like they they don't know what we're talking about. Like going in is not an option. No, these are like five hundred thousand foot 
cliffs. It's a yeah. wall. And the waves, because the water's so deep, the waves just smash into the rocks. So if you drifted into any of those areas, you're just going to get smashed. Yeah, and you, you don't go up to the cliff and rest. No. You, you no, just get it's smashed just a wall, off rocks. Smashed into a rock, yeah. yeah. The other thing is if you're going far out, um, I mean, it's the one of the sharkiest places in oh, the world. Yeah. And so you, at that stage, I thought it's over. I'm not going to make it through the night here. I'm not going to get to shore because I have no clue where that is. There's no lights. And as far as I know, I could be in front of the cliffs now. Right. So if I paddle too close to the cliffs, there's probably no getting out of it. Um, I had a pretty good, you know, geography of the coastline, and I, but I had no way of knowing um, exactly where I was. So it, at some point, my game plan was to just try to figure out which way the, the swell direction was going, wait for a, a set of waves, and just try to get working my way towards the coastline. And if I was in front of the cliffs, at least then I could orient myself because I knew that coastline pretty well. Right. So we st I started going in and set the waves were coming in at odd angles because I was so disoriented. I was going the wrong direction. Sure. So it was hard to get in a position to let that wave wash me in. But maybe an hour into that, I finally did. And, and I, I'm, and, and that whole time I'm just thinking, what am I going to, you know, how am I, you know, I, I'm not gonna be able to talk to anybody and tell anybody what happened. Right. You know, there's so many loose ends, you know, at home to tie up and, you know, I, I literally thought this was it and this is going to be one of the worst ways to go because I'm probably going to sit out here overnight and just die of hypothermia or shark attack, right. you know, or getting smashed into the cliff. There was no good scenario that I could think of in my head of how it was going to go. Um, so anyways, I, I start, you know, figuring my way to the beach I eventually did find some whitewash and I, I was able to wash up on the beach where I saw other surfers making it to the beach. One guy I remember was on his hands and knees and just kissing the sand. Yeah, because even though you felt totally alone, there were other people in reality drowning in this fog. Yes, they were going through the same, same exact yeah. thing I was simultaneously, but none of us knew. Sure. And I remember going up to him and just putting my hand on his, uh, my arm on his shoulders. Cause I, I felt that same relief that he felt like, wow. Yeah. And that was, guy, it was you over. Didn't even know I him. didn't even know him. Yeah. But you were brothers in that yeah, moment. Yeah. In that moment in that, wow. And we, I know for days after we wondered if there was anybody that didn't get in and we sure. didn't hear anything like that. And I, I will say this, the surfers that surf ocean beach are pretty savvy characters. Yeah. You don't surf that place unless you're a good swimmer. Yeah. Pretty, you know, not prone to panic. Yeah, you're a waterman. You're a waterman. And so yeah. I didn't hear of anybody getting hurt, but it was a it was a radical experience in a yeah. bad way. And when I got to the beach, I, you know, put my arm on this guy and I saw other guys that were just in the same boat walking back up. And when I got up to where the parking lot was, because there's a lot of similar parking situations there, I was at Sloat Avenue, which is at least three miles from where I started. Three so, miles. So I had to walk all the way down the Great Highway back, but I wasn't the only one, right? There was yeah. a whole bunch of us surfers walking yeah. back to where we started. 
around Lincoln Avenue, I think, or Fulton Avenue. And it's a good two, three miles. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's moms going by in their minivans and like, what are, what are these people doing? Yeah. And to it, them, like, or, you know, I didn't mean moms as an insult to anyone. I'm just saying yeah. normal people going about their everyday lives. All of a sudden, wonder, what is wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And they've had a perfectly normal day. And every one of you have had a, a near death experience. Yeah. Right. There's in that book you were talking about, there's that guy, Doc Reniker, right. who was a, just an awesome surfer, like a holistic yeah. doctor. His, his apartment was right on that beach. Right. And I remember seeing it, you know, he always had boards just hanging out there. And, um, I remember seeing it as I was walking back and I'm like, I don't think he would have ever, you know, he, he knew that area so well, yeah. he probably was smart enough to not get himself in that situation, but maybe he had, but yeah, he was a hero there. But it, it, back to that book, you know, yeah. I, those were the characters that were there. They were just so good in the water. Well, the last thing I want to say before we wrap it up here, I'm sure our listeners heard that bell ring. Mm-hmm. And you guys can assign whatever uh, you want to that bell. I won't tell you what it was. But uh, uh, the last thing I want to say is, thank goodness when you guys paddled out that day, you paddled out at Fulton. Yeah. Imagine if you had paddled out further south, you would have missed Sloat. Yes. And then what would happen is if you were at the cliffs, you have to try to make it to Lindemar. Like what exactly. we talked about. Which is a long Is a long way. ways. And there's some jagged rocks as you, as you would be drifting. Yeah. So. Well, Jack, thanks so much. I oh. really appreciate it. Yeah, Fantastic Matt, thanks for story. having me. That was fun. I love telling surf stories. So right. anytime. Surf, All right. Surf, awesome. Surf, thanks, everybody. Shorts. Thanks. Shorts. Surf. Shorts. Surf. Shorts. Surf Shorts Podcast. Man, I feel like I should have been beatboxing over that. Hey, it's Matt. I've got the show notes uh, at the end of Jack's show here. I hope you made it through the ridiculous music so you can listen to the show notes. All right. A couple things. Jack and I were talking about the fog and we couldn't, he couldn't remember the name for the fog and the name of the fog. I'm pretty sure is Thule fog. I Googled it. I'm not from Northern California, but Thule fog is wicked, wicked, thick fog. It forms in the Sacramento Valley and usually stays over the land. And it's a, it's a blinding blanket of fog, but sometimes it moves West and can slide into the Bay area and out over the coast. So it's very possible that the name Jack was trying to come up with for the fog was Thule fog. T-U-L-E. It's not spelled like the racks. I believe the Thule racks, if you're old, I believe they have an H-T-H-U-L-E, but uh, Thule fog, T-U-L-E. Another thing about the name of the fog in San Francisco, when I was Googling around, I found something very interesting is the fog in San Francisco has its own Twitter account, and it goes by the name of Carl. And that started all the way back in 2003. So the fog has its own personality. It's so persistent in San Francisco. I thought that was a very funny thing that the fog has a Twitter account and calls itself Carl. The book, the book that Jack and I were talking about is called Barbarian Days. And it is an amazing surf book. If you're a a little bit older, you probably appreciate it more than if you were just, just getting into surfing. Will Finnegan is the surfer, and he is retelling his life story. He traveled, he surfed, he did it all. He discovers G-Land and restaurants. They get, they, they're taken over there by a fisherman, his family, and they're basically like, why would you want us to leave you here on this little island by yourself? But they, they did, they got a little ride over there. 
and a panga, I guess. And they just stay on this island and fend for themselves. And the waves are amazing. Another thing that Will Finnegan did, because I've read the book. The book is awesome. Another thing he did that I found really interesting was he surfs in Australia. He goes, Jack and I were talking about Spain. He goes to Madeira and he waits on the island of Madeira for a wave called Jardim du Mar to break. It's a heavy, heavy, deep water right hand break. And if you've never heard of Jardim de Mar, I believe it's because it doesn't exist anymore. In the book, the town government or the local government in Madeira creates a road project to bring in more tourism and it wipes out the surf break. So if you've never heard of Jardim de Mar, that's probably why. And I hope my facts are straight there. And another thing I would like to tell you about Will Finnegan that's interesting is he's traveling, he's surfing, but he's wicked smart too. And he ends up becoming a writer, obviously, wrote his own book, but he's also a writer for The New Yorker. And at one point in his life, he lives in South Africa. And this is during the 80s, during apartheid. And he is a school teacher. And there's a lot of uh, frustration in that book. He, he really communicates it well. And we can't imagine the type of world that he was living in, but it's a very educational book, and I'm sure that you would enjoy it. So peace out from Surf Shorts. If you would like to be on Surf Shorts, email me at surfshortspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm just going to beatbox over this now. Isn't that what I should do? Look, dudes, it is time for Surf Shorts. Brought to you by people who are totally real. And Whoops.